Welcome to a special Locked On crossover. I'm Jonathan Davis from Locked On Longhorns. I have Steven Simcox here from Locked On Horn Frogs. We'll be talking a little TCU and University of Texas football and basketball today. Steven, I'm glad to have you. Glad to work with you. Glad to do the first of many crossovers between us from, from Fort Worth to Austin. What's going on, brother? I'm good, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, this will be fun. TCU and Texas have kind of crossed paths a lot in the last few months. So we can break that all down right now. I'm excited about it. Definitely. So speaking of, uh, you know, TCU and Texas kind of crossing paths, a former head coach of the TCU Horn Frogs, Gary Patterson, joined Sark's staff as a special assistant to the head coach. He'll also be helping out the defense with Pete Kukowski. So uh, just kind of give Longhorn fans an idea of what they should expect from Gary Patterson joining the staff. Man, it's still so strange to hear that he's part of that Texas staff. He was at TCU for so long and, and really was the program. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, GP is a defensive mastermind, right? And and that's really what he's bringing to the table. I think uh, one thing that's really going to help him, you know, obviously as the head coach, he had so many responsibilities. And I would – I would describe Gary as a micromanager. Like I said, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just think he had his hands in every single part of that program. He wanted to know what was going on. Um, he wanted to approve and disapprove of just about everything. So I think the biggest thing he's going to bring is just attention to detail. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember Garrett Waller, who's with the Texans now, who played linebacker at TCU. He talked to, with Bruce Feldman from The Athletic about how on Friday nights, they would have these quizzes where Gary would put up, um, you know, different formations from the team they were playing the next day, and he would just go to players sitting in the room and say, okay, this is the look. Tell me exactly what you have to do. And guys would just have to rattle off, this is my responsibility. This is the, the guy next to me's responsibility. And if you didn't do it, like, you didn't play. Like, if you if you couldn't say it immediately and know your responsibility, you couldn't play. So – now the the fact that he's going to be off the field, kind of looking at it from, you know, up in the press box, um, up in the sky box, however you want to phrase it, uh, I feel like he can really help Texas zero in on some tendencies with different Big 12 teams, you know, how to really um, aggressively attack different offenses. Uh, and And also to be honest about it, like he's going to be working with some dudes now. I mean, at, at TCU – he developed players really well, but a lot of the guys that turned into stars for him were really good athletes from smaller schools that maybe played like on the offensive side of the ball. So I think the physicality, like the um, just the build and the size and the stature of some of the athletes he'll be working with at Texas is going to be different. So I'm excited to see sort of how he maximizes that. And and then finally, I feel like what he's going to bring is just a chip on his shoulder. Like he is um, – maybe petty's the word. Like he he remembers everything. He takes everything personally. Like if, if you've criticized Gary Patterson, uh, he probably knows about it and he's dissected it and wants to prove you wrong. And I think the exciting thing for Texas fans is – you know, TCU called it a mutual parting of ways, but the honest truth is, Jonathan, like, they asked him to leave. Like, they they basically sat him down and said, hey, it's time for you to move on. We can either do this kind of gracefully or this can get awkward. And he decided, you know, okay, I'm just going to bounce. And so I think you're getting somebody who 
feels like he's still got something left in the tank that has something to prove. And just as an outsider, maybe this is an unfair uh, criticism, but for a program at Texas that I think for a while has been kind of known um, as maybe a little entitled or maybe maybe the players there don't always uh, kind of have that grit and toughness that you that you want. Um, maybe that's something that Gary can bring to the table. But it's going to be fascinating to see because, you know, I mean, like that job description that they gave him of working 20 hours a week and just kind of be it like a floater, like that's so different than what he was doing at, at TCU. It's just going to be interesting to see kind of how he attacks that role. But I think ultimately what you're getting is somebody who can really help you figure out how to attack offenses and maybe brings just a different attitude to, uh, you know, that defense and that program. Definitely. That's really good insight there. And that's going to be music to my ears and all the Longhorn fans here is just to hear him bringing that attention to detail and um, him being a defensive mastermind for a defense that was ranked hundredth in the country last year, gave up 31 points a game, gave up over 200 rushing yards a game. Um, definitely a unit that's going to have to be a lot better. You talked about some of those dudes that he coached up and developed. One of those is O'Shawn Mathis, who's currently in the transfer portal. Texas is one of his five schools that he's considering. What type of player is O'Shawn Mathis and what type of player are the Longhorns potentially getting if he decides to come to the University of Texas? O'Shawn is uh, your prototypical, like, hand-in-the-ground defensive end. Um, he's big. He's physical. You know, it's it's funny. A couple of years ago during spring practice, O'Shawn hadn't really played yet, and Gary sort of unprompted said that he thought Mathis could be maybe the best pass rusher that ever came out of that program. And it sort of caught everybody's attention because, I mean, he's not somebody that goes out of his way to compliment players. You know, usually he kind of keeps things – close to the vest, even if he's excited about somebody. Uh, and I, I think in some ways that hurt O'Shawn, unfortunately, because expectations got really high for him. And the fact that he wasn't like just an absolute superstar sort of left a bad taste in some fans' mouths. But, um, I mean, he's been productive. Like 2021, he had four sacks, which is not an eye-popping number. But back in 2020, he had nine sacks. He can get to the quarterback. He's really strong against the run. Uh, he's a four-year or a three-year starter at this point, so he knows what he's doing. Uh, my only criticism of O'Shawn would be I felt like he kind of made uh, most of his plays against lesser competition. Like, I, I just took a glance today, and in 2020, seven of his nine sacks were against Louisiana Tech, Texas Tech, and Kansas. And, I mean, nothing against those schools, but, Jonathan, that's kind of, you know, that's that's lower end of the Big 12, and then – a group of five school that he was uh, making his money against. So, um, you know, he's he's not necessarily someone that always lived up to what people thought he would, but he's got a lot of experience and um, he's got the build of an NFL player. So I think if Texas acquired him, like you should be excited because he's been productive and, and maybe Texas can unlock something um, that – you know, we haven't seen from him. What I wanted to ask you about, though, is because, you know, Gary ran like a four-two-five at TCU, and I, I don't know a lot about what um, Pete and Sark have been running defensively at Texas, but, you know, just from that description, like how do you think he fits in? Because I know at UT, like they got some uh, like more edge rushers, like stand-up defensive ends. Um, you know, what, what, what kind of guys do they like on the defensive line? Like what kind of uh, players do they like there? 
Yeah, so I, I think he kind of fits in perfectly. Um, you Like I said, he, he puts his hand in the dirt, but can also stand up. Um, I think most of the time you're going to probably see uh, two linebackers on the field um, mm-hmm. with, with five defensive backs. So it's going to be a, a little similar, probably um, either Jalen Ford or Luke Brockermeyer, and then, of course, Agent Zero, DeMarvin Overshine at defensive end. You're going to have Alfred Collins and Keandre Coburn um, on that defensive line, a defensive line uh, with no player on the defense had more than two and a half sacks. So even in his down year, um, Oshan Mathis still would have been the most productive uh, as far as sack total. So um, I think he comes in and, and fits right in, uh, you know, uh, just on that edge, um, you know, a defensive end with his hand in the dirt, uh, you know, kind of similar to what was going on at TCU, what he was doing at TCU. I don't think it's going to be much different in this Texas Longhorns defense. Um, just kind of putting him, you know, on that edge uh, position and just allowing him to, to go and get to the quarterback and, you know, stopping the run on his way to the quarterback. Right. And, and I don't know what the vibe is now. I know early on when he entered the portal, everybody sort of thought like, oh, yeah, he's headed to Austin. It's just kind of a matter of him um, finishing out the semester at TCU. And I know in that top five, he's got some other really good schools. But I would think the Gary connection and being close to home, I, I didn't get a chance to look. I should have. I think he's from Maynard. I think he's a Maynard high school kid. So, um, I mean, he's, you know, he's right there. Like it would make a lot of sense for him to end up at UT. And I feel like it'd be a good addition for the horns if they got him. Definitely. The only thing that concerns me is that Ole Miss was in his top five and we saw that Kari mm-hmm. Coleman decided to go to Ole Miss. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure if he'll follow him there, but um, you know, like I said, hopefully um, he can unlock some more of that potential at the 40 acres in Austin. So next we're going to talk about, the new head coach at TCU, Sonny Dykes, and what he brings to that program and what that potentially means for Max Duggan. Uh, but first, a uh, word from our sponsors. March Madness is only a few weeks away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even game customers. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, We believe run your pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize we look forward to seeing and beating you there all right steven so tcu hired a new head coach in sunny dykes he came from smu uh really explosive offenses there i think they averaged about 38 points a game in his time at smu Uh, so what uh, does he bring to this program and, and what does this mean for potential starting quarterback in max duggan well, you mentioned it there, Jonathan. I mean, he's he put crazy numbers on offense really everywhere he's been. You talked about SMU, and uh, he's had some great QBs there. Shane Bouchelle, who obviously Horn, Horn's fans know really well, and then um, did some magic with Tanner Mordecai last year. 
And even when he was at Cal, and, and Cal kind of struggled from a wins and loss department, but they still scored points. And he was there with Jared Goff, uh, who ended up being the number one overall pick. So I think that's exciting. TCU has a lot of good skill players coming back. Um, so I feel like them plugging into that offense, it could be really explosive. Quentin Johnson had a monster year last year at wide receiver. You know, Tay Barber is an experienced guy. There's some other names there. As far as Max Duggan goes, it, it's a great question. It's kind of the question – I feel like uh, I've talked about it so much over the last few years. It's almost like the LeBron MJ debate. Like, they're CCU fans. No, but you're not changing your mind about Max Duggan at this point. Like, either you think he is the dude and the answer, or you feel like he's kind of holding the team back. Um, so I'm curious to see how he fits in because, to be honest, like I think Max is tough. I feel like the team responds to him well. Um, he's really dangerous with his legs. But I listed like three or four qualities there, and I still haven't gotten him throwing the football, which is probably the most important thing mm-hmm. for a quarterback. You know, the accuracy just hasn't been there. And I think part of that is the play calling. So part of me wants to say, yeah, Sonny Dykes, Garrett Riley come in. They uh, understand his strengths more and use him more effectively, and that could work. But um, I just I don't know if he's going to turn into a great – passer and if he's not then I wonder if they take a longer look at Chandler Morris and then I'm still I'm still thinking that I don't know who it's going to be but I feel like after spring ball we're going to see some more quarterbacks enter the portal and I wouldn't be shocked if TCU took somebody I don't feel like it's going to be a huge name like it's not going to be you know like JT Daniels or somebody like that but if they just brought in one more guy and said okay coming into the fall this is an open competition, um, and we'll just see who ends up winning the job. But, yeah, I think it's it's Max's job to lose right now. I just, you know, as as a QB who's more dangerous with his legs in the power run game, that's not really Sonny Dyke's um, style. So I'm not sure how exactly he fits in. But it'll be a fun competition. And then, man, down in Austin, uh, you guys got the, the guy in Quinn Ewers coming in. And then uh, I guess obviously Casey Thompson transferred, so Hudson Card kind of sitting there as well. What do you make of that quarterback situation as as we kind of barrel towards spring practice here? Yeah, I was going to say we have our own, you know, little quarterback <laughs> controversy or, or quarrel of our own. Um, I'm a big Quinn Ewers guy. Uh, I think you you've kind of seen the Hudson Card movie before. You put him in last year, you just didn't get the production you hoped for. You ultimately went to Casey Thompson. He transferred out of the program. Um, and so now you come back. I think Hudson Card is his job to lose. Um, he has the advantage being in the system for a year, um, being in that playbook. But we all know the talent that, that Quinn Ewers has, um, the the arm strength, the, the freaky arm talent. I think he has advanced accuracy for his age. You know, people have concerns about the fact that he forewent his senior year, didn't play at Ohio State. So he hasn't really played real football in a couple of years. Um, but like I said, I've been beating the drum for Quinn Ewers. I think you have to put the most talented quarterback out there. And of course you have Malik Murphy, the four-star quarterback out of California that's behind them too, as well. So um, you have to put Quinn Ewers out there and, you know, if there's some growing pains, so be it, you know, if he has, you know, one or two bad games or he struggles at the times, uh, you know, so be it. But I think you have to put the most talented quarterback out there, the quarterback that gives your team the best chance to compete for a big 12 title and ultimately try to, if not this year and the next year, possibly if he only stays two years at the university of Texas, uh, make their first college football playoff. Now, I think with the amount of skill players that Sark has been able to put around them with the additions he's made to the offensive line, which was a, a negative for the Texas Longhorns last year, 
I don't think with the talent that Quinn Ewers has, he'll be in a position to fail. I think he's ultimately going to be in a position to succeed. So I think you have to put the most talented quarterback out there, the quarterback with the highest upside, and you deal with the highs and lows on the football field. But, you know, with the talent that Quinn Ewers has and the type of offensive mastermind that, that Sark is, the additions that they made to the offensive line, the receivers that they brought in the transfer portal, um, you know, just the, the playmakers they have, you know, all starts with B. John Robinson, uh, Heisman hopeful this year. I think Quinn Ewers has to be the starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns this year. So Horn Frog fans, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers, get ready. You know, so <laughs> when, we, when, when we play the Horn Frogs this year, hopefully um, Quinn Ewers is under center. I think that's going to uh, spell trouble for all the teams in the Big 12, not wearing burnt orange and white. But, um, you know, we've kind of talked about um, some of you talked about some of the offensive playmakers that they have, whoever's going to be at quarterback. So um, just for the Longhorns fans that really aren't familiar with the roster, who are two players? Let's, let's say one returning player and then one newcomer that Longhorn fans need to worry about this year. And then we can go um, one player uh, returning and then one player that's a newcomer on the Longhorn side. Yeah, I like this question. Uh, so as far as returning, I'll go with another wide receiver, and it's somebody who didn't put up great numbers last year, but Quincy Brown, his nickname is Sticks, and uh, it was kind of – his recruitment was interesting. So he was originally going to go to Mississippi State. That didn't work out. And then um, last year in 2021, he just signed with TCU on signing day, and nobody really knew much about it. Like, they, they weren't um, – they, they did a good job of keeping it a secret, but he just showed up and he signed. He's a four-star wide receiver um, originally from the 2020 class. But uh, he's got great size at 6'4", 185 pounds. Um, I'm interested to see what Kaz Kazadi, the new strength coach, kind of does with him and putting on some weight and trying to get some mass on uh, him as a player. But, yeah, he's a he's a fun player to watch. Um, we saw when Chandler Morris came in there later in the season, he was able to get up and, and get some balls, some of those 50-50 balls. So I think, uh, you know, Sonny Dykes is going to find a way to use him. That'll be exciting. And then – the newcomer, and I might be a little biased here because this is a kid that I covered in high school, and Longhorn fans will know him well, and I'm not trying to, like – I'm not just doing this because I'm on the Locked on Longhorns podcast, but I'm excited about Jared Wiley at tight end. You know, I always sort of felt like UT didn't necessarily use him in the receiving game as much as I, I thought they they might because he, when he made plays, he made plays. But a huge target in the red zone, um, athletic build, good size – I just, if nothing else, I feel like he could be a player that could come in and just catch some touchdown passes, you know, in, in those goal-to-go situations. Um, and then he's got that physicality, too, to block a little bit. But, yeah, I think Jared Wiley could be a good addition for this group moving forward. But uh, what about you, Jonathan? Who are some names that you're kind of looking for for UT coming into the season? So, definitely a returning player. Um, a lot has been made about Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end that's transferring over from Alabama. But I look at Jatavian Sanders – uh, who's going to play tight end as well. The number 16 overall prospect, the number one athlete in the 2021 class with Quinn Ewers. Um, just 6'2", 255, freaky athletic build. Um, just can make a lot of plays. And I think, you know, talk about Sark being an offensive mastermind, just knowing how to get, um, you know, the ball in his playmaker's hands. We saw Jaleel Billingsley kind of fall out of favor at Alabama. And so there's no guarantee that he's just going to step right in and be the starting tight end and everything's going to go well, even though he's familiar with Sark having been coached by Sark at Alabama. But I think Jatavian Sanders, at the least, you use them in two tight end sets and create nightmares for defense, create matchup problems for defense. You can, you know, have them as inline blockers, um, you know, have them on the offensive line and or, you know, hands down in the line of scrimmage, but also kind of have them flexed out wide. 
um, and, and just create a lot of matchup problems for defenses. So Jatavian Sanders um, did not have a catch last year, mostly was on special teams. But I think definitely this is somebody that's going to have to um, – defenses are going to have to game plan for this year. So Jatavian Sanders at tight end as a returning player. And then a newcomer, I'm going to go on the defensive side. So if they, you know, if they get Oshawn Mathis, I, I think that he comes in and he's probably your every down defensive end. But if not, um, four-star edge, I've been talking about uh, a lot. He didn't really get uh, – he hasn't been talked about a lot because people have talked about, you know, so much of the offensive line, the two five-star offensive linemen we got at Devin Campbell and Kelvin Banks. But Justice Finkley is a player I love out of Alabama, um, a four-star edge. He wrestled in high school, so he's really good with his hands, really good with his technique. He can play the edge, but he can also slide down. He has the strength to play defensive tackle. He's just really strong at the point of attack, knows how to beat offensive linemen. Um, and he's good, you know, getting to the quarterback and stopping the run. So I think he'll start off, you know, maybe as a rotational pass rusher, third down situations, um, sec obvious passing downs. But eventually uh, he'll be an every down starter and be one of the best players on this defense. So somebody, you know, that that Max Duggan and <laughs> Sonny Dykes and the TCU offense needs to look out for is Justice Finkley over the next few years at the 40 acres. I think he'll give uh, a lot of teams problems, especially the TCU Horn Frogs. So really quickly, Stephen, what's your outlook for TCU next year in the Big 12? I remember reading the Sports Illustrated article. Um, they're kind of way too early Big 12 predictions, and they said that, you know, the, the offensive and defensive fronts for TCU should be a lot better next year. So what what is your outlook for this team in the Big 12? Yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to call it, you know, because it's been so long since they have a coaching change. But right now I'm, I'm thinking like seven to eight wins is really where I, I feel like realistic expectations are for this team. Um, offensively, I, I just believe things will get figured out eventually, even if it's not super smooth at first. Um, my concern is defensively because with the departure of Gary Patterson, you know, they lost some guys to the transfer portal. We talked about O'Shawn Mathis. We talked about Kyrie Coleman moving on. Um, you know, their secondary was sort of a mess last year. They tried to retool that. But I just think I, I like the hire of Joseph Gillespie from Tulsa. He did a nice job there. Uh, it's just going to take some time to sort of rebuild that position. You know, this they're, they're trying to make up for it in the transfer portal, but this 2022 class – wasn't as robust as maybe they thought it would be um, because they had some guys decommit with the coaching staff overhaul. So, um, yeah, I think seven to eight wins is a good sort of benchmark to shoot for. And, you know, that gets you in a bowl game that hopefully gets you some momentum going into year two of the Sonny Dykes era. But I expect a a solid offense with a defense that probably has to figure it out as the year goes on. Um, What about you, Jonathan? I mean, I know they you mentioned all those great guys in the trenches. Like they really have retooled. Um, that O-line and D-line with some of those NIL deals and, and just the way they've recruited that heavily. Uh, how do you feel about Texas going into this year? Yeah, definitely. So for the Horn Frog fans, um, you know, Xavier Worthy had his worst game of the season last year against the Horn Frogs. Only had one catch for seven yards. Uh, he's going to be much improved. Whoever's at quarterback, hopefully it's Quinn Ewers, uh, B. John Robinson coming back, you know, on the offense, one of the best players in the country. Isaiah Nair, the transfer from Wyoming, originally uh, committed to Tennessee. And now he's coming uh, to the University of Texas. He had 878 yards last year, 12 touchdowns. So the Horn Frogs need to look out for him. Jordan Whittington, if he can stay on the field. I talked about Jaleel Billingsley and Jatavian Sanders. And then the improvements on defense, um, you know, with just the eight defensive linemen that they brought in in the trenches, five defensive backs. And then you talked about, you know, Gary Patterson being a defensive mastermind. So I think that defense is a lot better. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm, I'm bleeding burnt orange. I think we win the Big 12 next year. You know, I think that Oklahoma State and, and Baylor take a step back. I think that Oklahoma uh, is still going to be really good. But 
I, I think that Texas wins the Big 12, honestly. And I, and I really believe that. I think we have the talent. Um, and, and I think that, you know, this is the time. Now, it's going to take a big jump. You know, I'm talking about a team that had a lot of mental breakdowns last year and, and went five and seven. But um, when you look at it, they had leads in a lot of those games, you know, blowing, uh, you know, an 18, 21 point lead to, to Oklahoma. Um, they collapsed in the second half against Iowa State, collapsed against Baylor collapsed against Oklahoma State. So they easily could have won eight, nine games with all of the issues they had last year. So um, I could be being a fan, you know, but I, I think that they get it together this year and they ultimately uh, compete for a Big 12 title. And, and I think they win it. So that's the outlook for the Texas Longhorns and the TCU Horn Frogs going into next season. Next, after the break, we talk about the biggest game on the schedule for both of those teams, and then we get into a little bit of basketball to close out this Locked On crossover between TCU and Texas here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Steven, so really quickly, before we get into the basketball, the biggest game on TCU's schedule next year is? I'm going to throw a curveball here, SMU. So they didn't play SMU in 2020 because of COVID. They ended up 6-4, and four, but the two seasons before that, or the season before that, Jonathan, they lost to SMU, and I feel like that just really took the wind out of the sails of the season. And then last year, there was a lot of uh, hype around this team, and people were saying the chemistry was great. And they got embarrassed at home by SMU again, and it just felt like, again, like the season just sort of went in the tank after that. Um, so I think if they can beat, you know, Sonny Dyke's former team in Dallas to get to 3-0 and in non-conference play, that would be pretty big going into Big 12 uh, conference play. And what about you, Jonathan? What's the biggest game on the, uh, on the Longhorn schedule this year? Kansas. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, we definitely have to come back and beat Kansas, but uh, everybody's going to point to the second week of the season. Obviously, when you have the number one team uh, coming into Austin, Alabama, that's a huge mm -hmm. game, but I think it has to be Oklahoma. You know, Alabama's going to be favored right now. I can't pick Texas to win that game, uh, but when you have the lead that you had last year on, on Oklahoma, a 21-point lead, and you allowed them to score 25 points in the fourth quarter uh, just to prove that, that Sark is the right coach for this program, to prove that Texas is capable of getting over the hump. You have to come back and have a strong showing against Oklahoma. Like you talked about, you know, kind of that rivalry uh, between TCU and SMU. Obviously, it's not on the level of the Red River rivalry, but you can't go out and lose to Oklahoma in consecutive years the way that you blew um, that lead and kind of collapsed against them. So definitely the Red River rivalry is circled on my schedule. They have to beat them this year, um, you know, given the way that the game played out last year, definitely. So, um I, it's going to be Oklahoma for me in the Red River rivalry. They have to win that game, regardless of what happens in the second week of the season against Alabama. So really quickly, TCU basketball has been on fire, beating Texas Tech, beating Kansas. They play Kansas again tonight. So just 
you know, really, and I love Mike Miles. I think he's, you know, one of the best players in the country, one of the most underrated players in the country. So how have things been in Fort Worth? What's the reaction around the basketball team? And what do you think they'll be able to do uh, moving forward in the, in the Big 12 NCAA tournament? It's been a pretty incredible turnaround. I mean, they lost in the Irwin Center uh, to the Longhorns, right, like about a week ago. And they had a 10-point lead with 12 minutes left. And then they just sort of collapsed down the stretch. Texas played some really good defense. They were able to stifle TCU. Um, Horns come back and win that game. And at that point, I felt like, okay, tournament hopes are probably dashed. That was your best chance to pull off an upset. But uh, they beat Texas Tech and they beat Kansas earlier this week. And, yeah, it's about Mike Miles. Like, I've been so excited and happy for him, the way he's played lately. You know, he's a Lancaster. He's a Fort Worth kid. Um, and when he signed on at TCU, everyone just sort of said, okay, this is the guy that could take this program to the next level. And honestly, like in the last two games, he's been the best player on the floor. Like, he's looked like an NBA player. Um, you know, he had a huge three against KU Tuesday night where the shot clock was running down. He just um, took somebody off the bounce and with a hand in his face, knocked one down to put him up 10. And you could just feel the building erupt. You know, the energy really go off. So that's been a big difference. I think guys like Micah Peavy have sort of come into their own as well. Um, Emmanuel Miller and Eddie Lampkin down low have played well. So if they play like this, you know, offensively they're getting better. They rebound and defend really well. Then I think they could be a team that provided the right matchup, can make a little noise in March. Um, and they stopped turning the ball over, which has, has been really helpful as well. So – yeah, you know, Chris Beard in year one, I know there's been a lot made of, of him and obviously the tech situation, but Longhorns have quietly, like, been consistent. They've, you know, seemed like they've kind of figured it out down the stretch here. What do you think about their chances as we head towards the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament? Yeah, so it's been kind of frustrating. We've been a victim of our own, you know, expectations. This is the first time that Texas has won over 20 games. They're sitting at 21 wins um, right now uh, since the uh, Rick Barnes era. You know, so uh, Chris Beard has already done things that we haven't seen in five years. And if he wins the NCAA tournament game, he'll do something that Shaka Smart was unable to do um, in his entire tenure at Texas. Uh, I think that defensively, we're one of the best teams in the country. We're lacking in size and rebounding, especially with uh, Trey Mitchell taking a leave of absence. Somebody that was giving you nine points and, and five rebounds a game to transfer from UMass. And I think that shows up a lot. Um you know, when we play some of these more athletic teams, especially, you know, you've seen in the two games against Baylor this year and TCU, you know, with that 10 point lead, I was at that game. You know, it, it, it very easily uh, when it was at 10, I was like, if they get it up to 12 or 13, this game is over. And then, you know, they were able to get it down to seven and then four and then ultimately take the lead. So um, I think that they can defend anybody in the league, but just the offensive consistency is missing right now. And maybe that's just because you have a lot of transfers. They're not a really great three point shooting team. Um, especially at home, you know, they, they just haven't been able to, to knock down open shots and they struggle against athletic guards and, and teams that have size. And you're going to see a lot of that in, in the big 12 tournament. And you're going to see a lot of that in the NCAA tournament. So I think this is a team that nobody wants to see. I think they can get, um, you know, possibly to the sweet 16, but I think anything past that, when you're looking at those upper echelon teams, I think Texas is just going to struggle to score um, against some of the more athletic and, and the bigger teams. So, Chris Beard has done a hell of a job, and the future is bright at the 40 Acres for this basketball team. Um, so we're looking at a, a, a team that could win a couple games in the NCAA tournament, but ultimately will probably meet their match. And when you talk about some of those, you know, bigger, more athletic and, and physical basketball teams. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's going to be fun to watch. Like, you, you know those Chris Beard teams are going to be prepared. They're going to be ready for March. So 
Um, it'll be interesting to see sort of how they attack it in in the first year there. But I think there's a lot of reason for optimism in, in football and basketball in Texas. And man, the baseball team hasn't lost a game yet. Like things are yeah. pretty going, things are going pretty well there in the spring for uh, for the Horns right now. Yeah, definitely things are looking good, and you know we're hoping to see uh, improvement um, from the TCU. And and I hope you know wish all the success in, in Sunny Dyke's first year. You know, just not against Texas next year. <laughs> uh, you know, but thank you, Stephen, uh, for coming on for the Locked On crossover. Once again, Horn Frogs fans, I'm Jonathan Davis, the host of Locked On Longhorns, and for my Longhorn Nation, we have Stephen Simcox on, the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. Hope to do this again. We'll, we'll definitely do this again, especially during football season. So. Thank y'all for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Longhorns on YouTube. Stephen, what is it? Locked On Horn Frogs on YouTube? Yep, Locked On Horn Frogs. That's where you can find it. That's right. Okay, Locked On Horn Frogs on YouTube. Thank you all. Peace.